This is a recording of I Kneel Down Before My Maker, Allusions to Esau in the Book of Enos, by Matthew L. Bowen, published in Interpreter, a Journal of Mormon Scripture, read by Victor Worth. Abstract. The Book of Enos constitutes a brief literary masterpiece. A close reading of Enos's autobiography reveals textual dependency not only on 1 Nephi 1, 1-2, and Genesis 32-33, but also on earlier parts of the Jacob-Esau cycle in Genesis 25 and 27. Enos's autobiographical allusions to hunting and hungering serve as narrative inversions of Esau's biography. The narrative of Genesis 27 exploits the name Esau in terms of the Hebrew verb asa, make or do. Enos, man, himself incorporates paranomastic allusion to the name Esau in terms of asa, in surprising and subtle ways, in order to illustrate his own transformation through the atonement of Jesus Christ. These word plays reflect the convergence in the Genesis narratives of the figure of Esau before whom Jacob bows and whom he embraces in reconciliation with the figure of the divine man with whom Jacob wrestles. Finally, Enos anticipates his own resurrection, divine transformation, and final atonement with the Lord in terms of a clothing metaphor reminiscent of Jacob's putting on Esau's identity in Genesis 27. As has been noted in a previous study, Enos begins his relatively brief autobiography with a self-introduction modeled on that of his uncle Nephi, including the latter's use of onomastic wordplay. The name Nephi is best explained as a derivation from the Egyptian lexeme NFR, whose basic meaning is good, fine, goodly, of quality, fair, beautiful, of appearance, and as a noun, beauty, good, kindness, goodness. The name Enos, Hebrew Enosh, is a Hebrew poetic term for man, a single male individual, or used collectively for human beings in general. 1 Nephi 1.1 I, Nephi, Egyptian NFR, good, goodly, having been born of goodly parents, therefore I was taught somewhat in all the learning of my father, and having seen many afflictions in the course of my days, nevertheless having been highly favored of the Lord in all my days, yea, having had a great knowledge of the goodness and the mysteries of God, therefore I make a record of my proceedings in my days. Enos 1.1 I, Enos, Hebrew Enosh, man, knowing my father that he was a just man, for he taught me in his language, and also in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and blessed be the name of my God for it. Thus, we see Nephi's self-introduction, with his name closely juxtaposed with terms that match the etymology of his name, good and goodness, imitated by Enos, whose self-introduction closely juxtaposes his name with a term that precisely matches its etymology, man. The autobiographical wordplays in 1 Nephi 1.1 and Enos 1.1 occur within highly similar structures. Together, both constitute as lucid examples of textual dependency and onomastic wordplay as one could wish to find in the Book of Mormon. Enos's use of onomastic wordplay, however, does not end with this imitation of Nephi's autobiographical wordplay.
John Tvetnas and Matthew Roper long ago noted, the similarity between Enos's autobiography and Genesis 32, including allusions to Peniel. In a subsequent study, I went even further demonstrating that Enos used a word rendered wrestle, waya abek, from Genesis 32:23-24, as a deliberate play on the name of Jacob, Jacob, the name of his patriarchal ancestor and his own father, and the word struggle, strugglings, as a word play on Jacob's cognomen Israel. Genesis 32:24-25, MT 25-26, 28MT 29. And Jacob, Jacob, was left alone, and there wrestled, Weyabek, a man, Ish, with him, until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's, Jacob, thigh was out of joint, as he wrestled, Behe Abeko, with him, Genesis 20, 32, 24-25, MT 25-26. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, Jacob, but Israel, Israel. For as a prince thou hast struggled, Sarita, with God, Elohim, and with men, Anashim, and has prevailed. Genesis 32:28, MT 29. Enos 1, 2, 10 through 11, 14. And I will tell you of the wrestle which I had, i.e. the wrestle which I wrestled, before God, before I re received a remission of my sins. Enos 1, 2. And while I was thus struggling in the spirit, Behold, the voice of the Lord came to my mind again, saying, I will visit thy brethren according to their diligence in keeping my commandments. And after I, Enos, Enosh, man, had heard these words, my faith began to be unshaken in the Lord, and I prayed unto him with many long strugglings for my brethren, the Lamanites. Enos 1.10-11 For at the present our strugglings were vain in restoring them to the true faith. Enos 1.14 The fact that Enosh is a poetic synonym of Ish, man, and shares the same plural form, Anashim, further helps us appreciate Enos's sophisticated use of Genesis 32 and its wordplay. On one level, Enos's wrestle enabled him to identify with his ancestor Jacob Israel and with his own father Jacob. On still another level, the salient occurrence of Ish and Anashim, in the pericope, allowed Enosh to identify with Esau and the divine man, Ish, the men, Anashim, Enoses, with whom Jacob Israel wrestled and struggled, and whom he eventually embraced. In the study that follows, I wish to elucidate additional examples and levels of onomastic wordplay and literary allusion that show that Enos is not only appropriating the biographical Jacob and Esau material from Genesis 32-33, but from Genesis 25 and 27 as well. Enos, who is well aware of the literary meanings associated with his father Jacob's name, also evidences an awareness of the literary meanings that revolve around Esau's name. Enos's use of allusion and paranomasia 
emerges as sophisticated and skillful. Enos as Esau, what type of man? As noted above, the name Enos, Hebrew Enosh, denotes man. Enos's description of his father as a just man not only harks back to the autobiographical literary structure of 1 Nephi 1.1 and the man with whom Jacob wrestled in Genesis 32, but it further recalls early biblical biographical descriptions of Esau and Jacob. Note the biblical narrator's emphasis on Jacob and Esau as diametrically opposite types of Ish, man. Enos 1.1 Behold, it came to pass that I, Enos, Enosh, poetic Hebrew, man, knowing my father, Jacob, that he was a just man, Ish, Enos, Tzadik, Note, Enos, Ish, and Adam are synonyms, for he taught me in, the, in his language, and also in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and blessed be the name of my God for it. Genesis 25:27 and 27:11, And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, Ish Yadat Sayid, literally, a man knowing hunting, a man of the field, Ish Sadeh. And Jacob was a plain man, Ish Tam, or a man of integrity, dwelling in tents. Genesis twenty five twenty seven. And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, Esau my brother is a hairy man, Ish Sayir, and I am a smooth man, Ish Chalak. Genesis twenty seven eleven. Enos's own name comes out of a nexus of anthropic names and name associations in the Genesis's primeval history. Adam, man, humankind, Cain, of whom Eve says, I have gotten a man, Ish, from the Lord, Enos, man. Enos's use of the phrase, just man, recalls the Genesis narrative description of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect, Ish tzadik tamim, in his generations, Genesis 6-9. Enos's name and explanation further recall the description of Jacob in Genesis 25-27 as an Ish tam, an expression which certainly means more than plain man, KJV. Stanley Walters renders this expression moral person. Jacob was a man of integrity. Biblical texts associate the related term tamim with perfect or unblemished animals that were acceptable for sacrifice. The Lord so describes Job in Job 1.8 and 2.3. Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, Ishtam, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? Over against Jacob as Ishtam, moral man, man of integrity, stands the narrator's description of Esau, Esav, as an Ish Yadeh Tzayid, a man knowing hunting, i.e., a man knowledgeable about hunting, and an Ish Sadeh, man of the field, Genesis 25:27. These contrastive descriptions describe two distinct modes of life. Esau is a much more outdoorsy type, while Jacob is what we might call a homebody. Jacob's reported description of Esau as an Ish Sayir, hairy man, versus himself as an Ish Chalak, smooth man, serves a similar function. The phonological similarity between Esav and Sayir, hair, is one that the narrator exploits in paranomastic fashion in several places within the text. 
This wordplay constitutes a humorous narrative ideology rather than a scientific etymology, drawn from proper philological sources. This segment of the narrative employs a pun on Esau's physical features to explain, in part, why Esau's descendants inhabited the hill country of Seir. Moreover, Enos's description of himself, a man, as knowing, Enos 1.1, recalls Nephi's great knowledge, 1 Nephi 1.1, but subtly mirrors the Genesis narrator's description of Esau as a man knowing, Ish Yada. Genesis 25.27 a connection not obvious in English translation. Enos's name itself, Hebrew Enosh, recalls the patriarchal period of his namesake, the patriarch Enos. Enos, man, was the grandson of Adam, man, humanity. The narrator repeatedly connects the name Adam, Adam, with the ground, Adama, e.g. Genesis 2, 5, 7, 3, 17, 7, 23. He further correlates Adam, man, with the gendered terms woman, isha, and man, ish, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, ha-adam, made, built, he, a woman, isha, and brought her unto the man, ha-adam. And Adam, ha-adam, said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, isha, because she was taken out of man, ish. Genesis 2.22-23. Similarly, the Genesis narratives connect Esau with a triliteral Ain-D-M root that is either cognate or homonymous with the root whence Adam originates. Two passages in Genesis 25, both ideological in character, implicitly connect Esau's cognomen Edom, Edom with the earthly color of red clay, i.e., originally, the area distinguished by red soil. And the first came out red, admoni, all over, like an hairy, sear, garment. And they called his name Esau, Esav, Genesis 25.25. And Jacob sowed pottage, and Esau, Esav, came from the field, sadeh, and was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, ha'adom ha'adom hazeh, literally, this red, red stuff. For I am faint, therefore was his name called Edom, Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he sware unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink, and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Genesis 25, 29-34 The narrative here puts the focus on Esau's connection to the physical, the human, and the earthly. Enos, man, the son of Jacob, seems fully aware that his name connects him with the earthy origins of Adam, man, humankind, the physical father of the human family, and with the earthy Edom, Esau who prized physical things over spiritual things and temporal well-being over eternal well-being. Enos came to the recognition that his Esau-Edom-like self, his natural man, would need to undergo a mighty transformation in which he came to prize the same things that his father valued, e.g. eternal life and the joy of the saints. Enos 1.3 Esau and Enos, hunters. 
Enos further draws himself into comparison with Esau with one simple statement. I went to hunt beasts in the forest. Enos 1.3 The verb tsud, hunt, hunt for, hound, and its cognate noun tsayid, game, game bag, venison, occurs eleven times as a light word in connection with Esau in Genesis 25, twice, and 27, nine times. Esau was a ish yadat sayid, while Enos was also a knowing man who went to hunt, letsud, beasts in the forest. Enos was a hunter, just like Esau, and what was Esau's field, sadeh, was Enos's forest. Enos's allusion to his hunting beasts in the forest further recalls the Genesis narrator's statement that follows directly after Isaac's blessing Jacob. Esau came in from his hunting, so that his father Isaac's soul might bless him. Genesis 27:30-31. Enos wants his audience to understand that he was like Esau before his spiritual transformation occurred. He was like Esau, but he allowed the words of his father Jacob to sink deep within his heart. Enos 1.3. This caused his soul to hunger. And my soul hungered. Enos 1.4. Enos's was not a physical bodily hunger that needed to be fed or a craving that needed to be slaked like Esau's. See Genesis 25.29-34. But a spiritual hunger. Enos's soul hunger made him like his ancestor Jacob, for whom his father was named, who had faith in the God of his father Isaac and grandfather Abraham, rather than the physically hungry Esau. Enos acquired faith in Christ, Enos 1.8, the God of his father Jacob, his uncle Nephi, and grandfather Lehi, cf. 1 Nephi 6.4, 2 Nephi 1.15, 33.6. For this reason, Enos would receive the kind of birthright and blessing that Esau had despised, at least at first. Made or Maker, a literary meaning for Esau. Enos also appears to use verbal echoes of the name Esau. A precise etymology for the name Esau is uncertain at best and impossible at worst. Jeremiah 49.10 may hint at a derivation from Resi, protect, cover. Midrashic derivation of the name Esau from the Hebrew Semitic verb Asa was so natural as to be almost inevitable. As Shaul Bar notes, Targum Jonathan, Rashi Rashbam, acronym for Rabbi Samuel ben Meir, 1080-1174, Bekor Shor, Joseph ben Isaac, 12th century, all derive the name from the Hebrew word Asa, to make. Targum Pseudo-Jonathan states, And they called his name Esau, i.e. made, because he was born altogether complete, Kolyeh Gamir, with the hair of the head, and the beard, and teeth, and grinders. Rashi's ideology for Esau, Esav, as made or done, Neasa, is similar. However, there are additional biblical texts that treat the name Esau in this way. There is the evidence of Genesis 27 itself, which we will examine momentarily. Amos 4.12 also subtly puns on the names Jacob and Esau. Therefore thus will I do, Eese, unto thee, O Israel, and because, Ekev, I will do, Eese, this unto thee, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. Amos 4.12 Noting a pun on Jacob in this verse, Moshe Garciel writes, quote, The name of Israel appears here twice, while Jacob, Jacob, does not. But it is to Jacob that the MND, Midrashic name derivative, of Ekev, 
refers. Within the text it constitutes a new homiletic variation upon Jacob, which it treats as a causative conjunction. The clumsiness of the phrasing in Hebrew is evidence of the prophet's desire to include the MND. Here, however, Garciel observes an additional pun on Esau in terms of the verb asa, make or do. The double use of the verb do, asa, may also be deliberate, for in the Genesis narrative this verb supplies an MND for Jacob's twin brother Esau, Esav. Garciel's point here is an important one. The narrator subtly uses Asa as a lightwort in the Genesis 27 account of Jacob's obtaining the blessing of the firstborn. Asa is a key term, arguably the key term, in, their, in the narrator's description of how Rebekah helps Jacob transform himself, as it were, into Esau in order to obtain the blessing that Isaac intended for the latter. And it came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, Esav, his eldest son, and said unto him, My son. And he said unto him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold now, I am old. I know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver and thy bow, and go out into the field, and take me some venison, and make, wa'ase, me savory meat such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. And Rebekah heard when Isaac spoke to Esau, Esav, his son. And Esau, Esav, went to the field to hunt for venison, and to bring it. And Rebekah spoke unto Jacob her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau, Esav, thy brother, saying, Bring me venison, and make, wa'ase, me savory meat, that I may eat, and bless thee before the Lord, lifne Adonai, before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock, and fetch, fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father, such as he loveth. Genesis 27, 1-9 Here the narrator moves to create a paranomastic verbal link between the name Esau, Esav, with the verb Asa, make or do some nine times throughout the pericope, Genesis 27. Isaac commands Esau to make him the savory meat that his soul, i.e. his physical appetite, craves. This language establishes Esau as maker. Rebekah understands she and Jacob will have to imitate Esau's making in order to obtain his father's blessing. We should note in addition that the phrase before the Lord, Hebrew lifne Adonai, literally to the face of Yahweh, anticipates the events of Genesis 32 and Jacob's wrestle with a divine man at Peniel, Penuel, i.e., the face of, which he so names because, quote, I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved, Genesis 32, 30-31. Enos's language refers both to the expression before the Lord, to the face of the Lord, in Genesis 27, 7, and Peniel, Penuel, face of God, the site of Jacob's wrestle in Genesis 32, in his use of the phrases, The wrestle which I had before God, Enos 1-2, Kneeled before my Maker, Enos 1-4, Stand before him, and see his face with pleasure, Enos 1-27. They also allude to Genesis 33-10, see below. The interplay of Esav and the verb Asa continues as Jacob follows Rebekah's directions, and Rebekah acts shrewdly on behalf of her son Jacob. 
And he went and fetched and brought them to his mother, and his mother made wata'as, savory meat, such as his father loved. And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, Esav, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands, and upon the smooth of his neck. And she gave the savory meat and the bread which she had prepared, Asata, into the hand of her son Jacob. And he came unto his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I. Who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, Esav, thy firstborn. I have done, Asiti, according as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that thy soul may bless me. Genesis twenty-seven fourteen through 19 Rebekah helps Jacob become Esau by helping him put on Esau in the form of goat skins with their rough hair, a play on Seir. Moreover, she prepared, or made, the bread and savory meat that Isaac craved. The text increasingly revolves around the juxtaposition of, verb, of the verb asa, make or do, as first Rebekah and then Jacob become its subjects. In the dialogue, Jacob feigns that he is Esau, because he has become Esau in every sense that matters for his obtaining of the blessing that Isaac intends to give Esau. The latter, too, will make, or do, or perform what his father Isaac requests, but he is, alas, too late. And it came to pass, as soon as Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob, and Jacob was yet scarce gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau, Esav, his brother, came in from his hunting, and he also had made Wayaas savory meat, and brought it unto his father, and said unto his father, Let my father arise, and eat of his son's venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac his father said unto him, Who art thou? And he said, I am thy son, thy firstborn, Esau, Esav. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly, and said, Who? Where is he that hath taken venison, and brought it me, and I have eaten of all before thou camest, and have blessed him? Yea, and he shall be blessed. And when Esau, Esav, heard the words of his father, he cried, Wayitzak, with a great and exceeding bitter cry, Tzeakah, and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. Genesis twenty-seven thirty through 34 The narrator's expression, And he also made, Hebrew, Wayaas, plays on the name Esav yet again. Ironically, Esau makes savory meat for his father that will not procure the blessing Isaac intended to give and that Esau intended to receive. Rebekah, in effect, makes Jacob into Esau, and Jacob becomes Esau, while Esau makes in vain. Moreover, in Esau's crying, Wayitzak, with a great and exceeding bitter cry, Tzeakah, we detect an additional wordplay on the name Isaac, Yitzchak. Esau's cry evokes the opposite emotion suggested in the meaning of Isaac's name, May he laugh, or may he rejoice. And he said, Thy brother came with subtlety, and hath taken away thy blessing. And he said, Is not he rightly named Jacob, Jacob? For he hath supplanted me, Wayekebeni. These two times he took away my birthright, Bechorati. And behold, now he hath taken away my blessing, Birkati. And he said, Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac answered and said unto Esau, Esav, Behold, I have made him thy lord, 
and all his brethren have I given to him for servants. And with corn and wine have I sustained him. And what shall I do? Now unto thee, my son. And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Genesis 27, 35-38 The word play on the name Jacob in terms of the denominative verb KB, supplant, he hath supplanted me, is one of the more well-known examples of paranomasia in the Hebrew Bible, and one that looks forward to later word play in terms of wrestle and embrace. Less well known and overlooked is Isaac's subtler but equally poignant word play on Esau here in terms of Asa. From an audience standpoint, Esau's character is no more pathetic or sympathetic than when Isaac asks Esau his poignant final question What shall I do, Ese, now for thee, my son? This is a word play on Esau, Esav, in terms of Ese, what shall I do? The final word play on Esau in terms of Asa occurs in Genesis twenty seven forty five, at the end at the very end of the pericope. Rebekah, aware of Esau's intent to kill his brother Jacob, urges her son to flee to their kin in Padanaram, until thy brother's anger turn away from thee, and he forget that which thou hast done, Asita, to him. This concluding use of Asa as a play on Esav again makes Jacob the subject of the verb and refers directly to Jacob's overall supplanting, usurping, or robbing of Esau. Waya Kebeni He has supplanted me. Genesis 27.36 In this way, the narrator brings together the running wordplay on Esau's name nine times and the wordplay on Jacob in terms of Ain QB in Genesis 25.26, 27.36. I kneeled down before my maker, Enos, Esau, and Peniel. As has already been noted, Enos enriches the onomastic wordplay and allusions to the Jacob-Esau cycle in Enos 1, 1-2, with additional allusions and onomastic wordplay in Enos 1, 3-4. Here it should be noted that Enos 1, 3 has suffered some textual loss since its translation and dictation into the original manuscript, as the following comparison shows. Enos 1, 3, 1981 and 2013 edition. Behold, I went to hunt beasts in the forests, and the words which I had often heard my father speak concerning eternal life and the joy of the saints sunk deep into my heart. Enos 1.3, Skousen Version. Behold, I went to hunt beasts in the forest, and I remembered the words which I had often heard my father speak concerning eternal life and the joy of the saints, and the words of my father sunk deep into my heart. Enos is remembering his father's words and the words of his father sinking deep into his heart brings about further biographical connections between his own life and the story of Jacob and Esau. And my soul hungered, and I kneeled down before my maker, Hebrew Osei, and I cried unto him in mighty prayer and supplication for mine own soul. And all the day long did I cry unto him. Yea, and when the night came, I did I did still raise my voice high that it reached the heavens. Enos 1.4 First, Enos's statement, My soul hungered, recalls Esau's being famished and faint with physical hunger in Genesis 25.29-34, hunger which led him to sell and despise his birthright, Bechorah. It also recalls Isaac's physical craving for Esau's venison, 
whereby Isaac intended that his soul might bless his son Esau. However, Enos subverts this image and language in a powerful way. Enos's soul, Hebrew nephesh, does not just hunger physically, contrast Esau, but hungers with deep spiritual hunger. This spiritual hunger brings Enos to kneel down before his maker. The denominative verb kneel, barach, which is probably related or derived from the verb barach, bless, recalls both the blessing and the birthright from the Jacob Esau story. More on this below. Moreover, the expression before, Hebrew lifne, literally to the face, immediately recalls Enos's previous statement about his wrestle which he had wrestled before God, thus recalling the onomastic wordplay on Jacob in terms of barach and peniel, penuel, the face of God. But there is even more to Enos's literary allusion. The expression, my maker, most likely represents a Hebrew participle, ose, making, doing, or maker, doer. For example, the Psalms frequently describe the Lord as maker, ose, of heaven and earth. Job 35.10 attests the form ose, my maker. Where is God my maker? CF Job 32.22 My maker, oseni, i.e. the one making me, would soon take me away. The collocation of my maker occurs first in the Book of Mormon in the writings of Jacob, shrink with shame before the presence of my maker, Jacob 2.6. Jacob's phraseology very likely influenced Enos's language, an additional text worth noting, especially in the context of the language of Enos 1.1-4, through 4, are the words attributed to Eliphaz the Temanite in Job 4.17. Shall mortal man, Enosh, be more just, Yitzdak, than God, Eloah? Shall a man, Gever, strong man, be more pure than his maker, Osehu, Job 4.17. The participle Ose constitutes a divine epithet for Yahweh in Isaiah 51.13. And thou forgettest the Lord thy maker, Osecha, 54.5, for thy maker, Osaich, is thy husband, the Lord of hosts is his name among other biblical passages. A much more important text for our purposes here, however, is Psalm 95, 6. Psalm 95 has been widely recognized as an enthronement psalm, and a text that was likely sung as a hymn or performed in the Jerusalem temple. When Enos states, I kneel down before my Maker, he appears to quote Psalm 95. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel, nimbracha, before the Lord our Maker. Osenu, Psalm 95.6. Enos thus alludes to an important temple text that is elsewhere alluded to throughout the Book of Mormon. The literary genius of Enos's incorporation of Psalm 95.6, however, is his making the phrase, Before the Lord our Maker, a reference to Isaac's promise in Genesis 27.7, and Jacob's experience at Peniel. Moreover, it makes the divine title Maker, Ose, or My Maker, Ose, into a paranomastic pun on Esau, Esau. One that corresponds with the Genesis narrator's identification of the man, Ish, Esau, with the divine man, Ish Elohim, with whom Jacob wrestles. See Genesis 32:33. We especially recall that Jacob says to Esau, I have seen thy face as though I had seen the face of God, and thou wast pleased with me. Genesis 33:10. 
This point is perhaps strengthened by the fact that Esau's cognomen, Edom, Edom, also constituted a divine name, attested in the name Oved Edom. David invested a man named Oved Edom with the keeping of the Ark of the Covenant before its eventual rest in the Holy of Holies of Solomon's Temple. See Second Samuel 6. And another Oved Edom was the head of the family of temple doorkeepers and singers. We should further note Enos's possible allusion to and adaptation of the Genesis narrator's description of Esau's crying, Waitzak, with a great and exceeding bitter cry, Tzaka, which plays on or alludes to the name Isaac, Yitzchak. Esau's cry evokes the opposite emotion suggested in the meaning of Isaac's name, May he laugh, or May he rejoice, Genesis 18, 12-15, 21, 6-9, and 26-8. Enos makes a twofold reference to crying for his own soul. I cried unto him in mighty prayer and supplication for mine own soul, and all the day long did I cry unto him. Enos 1, 4. In all of this, Enos, man, is attempting to describe how the Lord who made him makes him from an Esau-like man into a Jacob-like divine man through his atonement. That process begins with the remission of his sins, Enos 1.2. Lord, how is it done? In response to his own lengthy cry to the Lord, Enos informs us that there came a voice unto me, saying, Enos, thy sins are forgiven thee, and thou shalt be blessed, Enos 1.5. The Lord's promise to Enos, and thou shalt be blessed, Gam Baruch Tihye, echoes Isaac's reported statement regarding Jacob, I have blessed him, and he shall be blessed. Gam Baruch Yehye. Genesis 27.33 It also recalls the blessing that Jacob procured through his wrestle. I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Genesis 32.26 And he blessed him there. Genesis 32.29 It further recalls the numerous purpose clauses and other statements throughout the earlier pericope. Genesis 27, pertaining to Isaac's desire to bless his son Esau. That my soul may bless thee before I die. Genesis 27.4 That I may eat and bless thee before the Lord before my death. Genesis 27.7 Rebecca to Jacob, that he may bless thee before his death. Genesis 27.12 I shall bring a curse upon me and not a blessing. Genesis 27.12 That thy soul may bless me. Genesis 27.19 So he blessed him. Genesis 27.23 That my soul may bless thee. Genesis 27.25 He smelled the smell of his raiment and blessed him. The smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. Genesis 27.27 Bless me, even me also, O my father. Genesis 27.34 Thy brother came with subtlety and hath taken away thy blessing. Genesis 27.35 He took away my birthright, and behold, now he hath taken away my blessing. Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? Genesis 27.36 Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. Genesis 27.38 And finally, Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing, Haberachah, wherewith his father blessed him. Genesis 27.41 The repetition of Barach, e.g. Barach, bless, and Berachah, blessing, and the homonym Bechorah, throughout the cycle, may constitute a paranomastic pun on Rebecca, Rivka. We can thus see Enos employing a pun of his own in the use of the term blessed, Enos 1.1, 5, 27, 
especially verse 5, juxtaposed with the verb kneeled, Barach, Enos 1.4. Enos becomes the spiritual heir of his father, Jacob, Lehi's firstborn in the wilderness, 2 Nephi 2, 1-2 and 11, just as his ancestor Jacob had become the spiritual heir of his father, Isaac. Following the Lord's promise that Enos would be blessed, onomastic wordplay on Esau and perhaps Jacob resurfaces in Enos's question to the Lord and the Lord's subsequent response. Here we can compare Enos's and the Lord's statements to the onomastic wordplay on Esau and Jacob in Amos 4.12 mentioned earlier, as cited by Garcia. That Enos uses or has reference to the Hebrew verb asa, naasa, or yaase, with the word that has been rendered done, makes excellent grammatical sense for reasons that will become even clearer later on. It also makes very good sense in the immediate context of his description of God as my maker, Enos 1.4. Enos's maker was also the one who wrought out, accomplished, performed, made, or did Enos's remission or forgiveness of sins through the atonement. However, the most compelling reason to suspect Enos's use of Asa here is the profusion of this term as a pun on Esau throughout Genesis 27. Rebecca helps Jacob make himself, that is, transform himself, into Esau, Esav. Enos recognizes that the Lord has made and is making him into something else through the atonement. He is making him divine. Enos 1, 7-8, Skousen. Enos's blessing. Thou shalt be blessed, Enos 1.5. My guilt was swept away, Enos 1.6. And I said, Lord, how is it done? And he said unto me, Because, Akev, of thy faith in Christ, whom thou hast not seen or heard, and many years passeth away before he shall manifest himself in the flesh. Therefore go to, thy faith hath made thee whole. Enos 1.7-8, following Skousen. Amos 4.12 and Genesis 26.4-5 Israel's punishment Therefore thus will I do, Eese, unto thee, O Israel, and because, Akev, I will do, Eese, this unto thee, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. Isaac's blessing And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because, Akev, that Abraham obeyed my voice, and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Genesis 26, 4-5 It shall be done unto them according to their faith. The verb do, done, occurs again in a salient way in Enos 1, 18, regarding the Lord's promise to him, regarding the restoration of his Lamanite brethren to the covenants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Enos records, And the Lord said unto me, Thy fathers have also required of me this thing, and it shall be done, Hebrew Yaase, unto them according to their faith, for their faith was like unto thine, Enos one eighteen. Again, the text plausibly reflects the verb Asa, and constitutes another allusion to the name Esau. The Lord's statement here directly recalls Enos's earlier question, Lord, how is it done, Yaase? And the Lord's response because of thy faith in Christ. Enos's soul could rest because he knew it would be according to the covenant which he had made, Hebrew, karath, cut. In other words, Enos knew that the Lord performs what he promises. Enos's maker, Osei, Enos 1.4, would do it.
The passive verbal form yaase to be done in the collocation be done unto is used as a word play on Esau at least once in the biblical text outside of Genesis 25 and 27. We note here that the brief book of Obadiah, whose message focuses a great deal on the nation of Edom, contains abundant wordplay on Edom and Esau. The name Edom is used twice and Esau seven times. In decrying Esau Edom's national treachery against Judah, Obadiah plays on the name Edom, Edom, three times in terms of the expression, their calamity. Thou, Edom, Edom, shouldst not have entered into the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Edo. Yea, thou shouldest not have looked on their affliction in the day of their calamity, Edo. Nor have laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity, Edo. Obadiah one thirteen, CF Avdam, their destruction in one twelve. In consequence of Esau Edom's perfidy, Obadiah prophesies that their deeds will return to them, employing an emphatic pun on the name Esau. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the heathen. As thou hast done, Asita, it shall be done unto thee, Yaaselak. Thy reward shall return upon thine own head. Obadiah 1.15 The thou, of course, is Esau Edom. Obadiah directly juxtaposes the second person active perfect verb form of Asa with the third person masculine passive, Asita Yaaselak, as an emphatic wordplay on Esav. Esau Edom's punishment will be commensurate and retributive. All of this helps us better appreciate Enos's allusion to the name Esau when he asks, Lord, how is it done? Enos 1.7 And the allusion of Esau in the Lord's subsequent promise, It shall be done unto them according to their faith. Enos 1.18 The Obadiah example is particularly helpful here in that it illustrates the long-term hatred that resurfaced between Judah, descendants of Jacob Israel, and Edom, descendants of Esau, estranged brothers whose relationship needed at one moment, like the enmity between the Nephites and Lamanites. C.F. Genesis 32.20.33.10-11 Our labors were vain, the Lamanites as Esau. Although Enos's literary use of the Jacob-Esau cycle suggests not only his hope for, but assurance of, an eventual reconciliation between the Nephites and the Lamanites, nevertheless, he emphasizes the aggravated separation that persisted between the Nephites and their estranged brethren. The traditional Lamanite charge that Nephi and his descendants' people had robbed them of their property and the right to government, Mosiah 10, 16-17, Alma 54, 17, which was their birthright, which itself echoes Jacob's supplanting, usurping, or robbing Esau, Genesis 27:36, underlies Enos's report, if not explicitly stated therein. And I bear record that the people of Nephi did seek diligently to restore the Lamanites unto the true faith in God. But our labors were vain, their hatred was fixed, and they were led by their evil nature that they became wild and ferocious, and a bloodthirsty people, full of idolatry and filthiness, feeding upon beasts of prey, dwelling in tents, and wandering about in the wilderness with a short skin girdle about their loins, and with their heads shaven, and their skill was in the bow, and in the scimitar, and the axe. And many of them did eat nothing save it was raw meat, and they were continually seeking to destroy us. Enos 1.20 Enos's remark that our labors were in vain restates his previous statement, our strugglings were in vain. 
the onomastic allusion moves from Israel, let El struggle, or he struggles with God, to Esau, in terms of labors, possibly Maaseh, Maasim. Moreover, Enos's subsequent statements that their hatred was fixed and they were continually seeking to destroy us, Enos 1.20, echoes his father Jacob's words in Jacob 7.24-25. Both passages recall the Genesis narrator's description of Esau in Genesis 27.41, and Esau hated, Waizdom, Jacob, because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother Jacob. Cf. Second Nephi 5, 1-7 and 14. Enos, like his father Jacob, and unlike Jacob his ancestor, would remain unreconciled to his estranged brethren, the Lamanites, during his lifetime. However, his soul did rest with the divine assurance that the long-hoped and prayed-for reconciliation would happen in the Lord's own due time. Enos 1, 16-17 Wrought upon by the power of God Enos's sanctification through Christ's atonement Another subtle allusion to the name Esau in terms of the Christ's atonement and its transformative effects can be detected as Enos concludes his record. And I saw that I must soon go down to my grave, having been wrought upon by the power of God, that I must preach and prophesy unto this people, and declare the word according to the truth which is in Christ. And I have declared it in all my days, and have rejoiced in it above that of the world. Enos 1.26 Spoken or written in Hebrew, the collocation wrought upon, i.e. worked upon, probably reflects the verb asa. At some level, a verb which has been previously noted serves as the lightwort in the story of Jacob's assumption of Esau's identity in order to receive the firstborn blessing that his father intended to give Esau. The collocation wrought upon occurs in one Old Testament passage in the KJV, which describes those who wrought upon, i.e. worked on, the Jerusalem temple. The underlying verb in this passage is asa. And they gave the money, being told, into the hands of them that did, ose, the work, that had the oversight of the house of the Lord, and they laid it out to the carpenters and builders that wrought upon haosim, the house of the Lord, Second Kings 12.11. If the supposition that wrought upon represents asa in translation is correct, Enos uses the same verb to describe his sanctification over the course of his life to his initial experience of being justified, having his sins and his guilt swept away. How was it done? Enos 1.7 It was done initially and wrought over the course of a lifetime through the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ, Enos's maker. Enos 1.4-8 and 26 Enos's use of Asa, wrought upon, in Enos 1.26 as another play on Esau, has the added literary function of reminding his audience of his previous conversion and helping them understand by what power he became one of the blessed, mentioned in Enos 1.27. Putting on Immortality and the Atonement of Jesus Christ Near the end of his autobiography, Enos also subtly reworks the clothing motif from Genesis 27, in which Jacob, at Rebekah's instigation and with her help, puts on Esau's clothing and identity, in effect, putting on Esau, Genesis 27, 15-16. Enos anticipates putting on a resurrected body and a divine identity. And I soon go to the place of my rest, which is with my Redeemer, for I know that in him I shall rest, 
and I rejoice in the day when my mortal shall put on immortality. Enos 1.27 On one level, Enos's language appears to have direct reference to his father's doctrinal statement on the atonement and the resurrection in 2 Nephi 9.7. Wherefore, it must needs be an infinite atonement. Save it should be an infinite atonement, this corruption could not put on incorruption. Wherefore, the first judgment which came upon man must needs have remained to an endless duration. And if so, this flesh must have laid down to rot and to crumble to its mother earth, to rise no more. Jacob's statement in turn represents his exegesis of the clothing resurrection imagery of Isaiah 52, 1-2. Awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion, put on thy beautiful garments. See after the resurrected body. O Jerusalem, shake thyself from the dust, cf. the spirit world and the grave. Arise and sit down, i.e. on a throne. O Jerusalem, loose thyself from the bands of thy neck, O captive daughter of Zion. Or as Lehi commanded, Arise from the dust, my sons, and be men, Anashim. Awake, my sons, put on the armor of righteousness, Second Nephi 1, 21 and 23. Like his father Jacob, Enos, man, knew that the bodies and the spirits of men, Anashim, will be restored one to another, and that his spirit and body would be restored to itself again, since all men, Anashim, become incorruptible and immortal. Second Nephi 9.13 He anticipated coming forth in the first resurrection, clothed with purity, yea, even with the robe of righteousness. Second Nephi 9.14 Moreover, Enos, man, like his father Jacob, anticipated that at the time, Quote, when all men, Anashim, shall have passed from this first death unto life, insomuch as they have become immortal, they must appear before, Lifne, the judgment seat of the Holy One of Israel. Close quote. It would be a pleasant rather than a dreadful experience. Second Nephi 9.15, Jacob 6.13, Enos 1.27. Thus, on still another level, Enos's words point to becoming something infinitely above the meaning of his own name, man and beyond what the patriarchal figures Jacob and Esau, to whom he so often alludes, represent, imperfect mortal men. Although one cannot say for certain what word or expression might underlie the word mortal in Enos 127, Eliphaz in Job 4.17 asks, Shall mortal man, Enosh, be more just than God? Shall a man be more pure than his maker? It is probably significant that the KJV translators opted to render Enosh not simply man in Job 4.17, but mortal man. Scholars have long noted the homonymic, if not etymological, relationship between the poetic noun name Enosh and the verb Anash, to be mortally sick, weak. Commenting on the use of Enosh in Psalm 103.15-16, John Goldingay writes, the word enosh can designate a human being in a neutral way, e.g. Psalm 55, 13, 14. But anash means be weak, sick. Although there may be no etymological connection between the words, contexts sometimes imply that enosh suggests mortal humanity, humanity in its frailty, e.g. Psalm 8, 4 and 5, 93. And this Psalm 103, 15 is an example, close quote. It is no accident that the phrase not man, lo ish, constitutes a collocation for divinity in Numbers 23.9 and Hosea 11.9. Thus, King Benjamin's use of mortal man might constitute a usage of enosh similar to the foregoing. 
I have not commanded you to come up hither that ye should fear me, or that ye should think that I of myself am more than a mortal man, i.e. an enosh. But I am like as yourselves, subject to all manner of infirmities in body and mind. Mosiah 2, 10-11 It is also noteworthy that King Benjamin tells his people that they must putteth off the natural man, cf. enosh, and become a saint through the atonement of Christ the Lord. Mosiah 3.19 Benjamin may have had at least partial reference to Enos's language, Enos 1.27. Enos became one of the saints of which his father spoke by putting off the natural man, knowing that he would one day also put off his mortal man and put on immortality. As indicated above, the verbal construction put on used by Enos refers to putting on clothing and corresponds to the Hebrew verb lavesh, put on a garment, clothe, clothe oneself with. The Greek verb used to express this idea is enduo. Paul uses the expression put on Christ, Galatians 3.27, see also Romans 13.14, as a means of describing putting on the atonement. This clothing metaphor evokes Genesis 3.21, which describes how the Lord clothed Adam and Eve before their expulsion from Eden. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make, Wayaas, coats, kotnot, tunics, of skins, and clothe them, Wayalbishem, Genesis 3.21. As L. Michael Morales has observed, this is the same language used in Leviticus 8.13 to describe the clothing of the priests. And Moses brought Aaron's sons, and put, Wayalbishem, coats, kutanot, tunics, upon them, and girded them with girdles, and put bonnets upon them, as the Lord commanded Moses. Thus, the coats or tunics of animal skins suggest the performance of sacrifices within the garden, sanctuary, temple. Since, as the first couple learned later, the animal sacrifices were in similitude of the sacrifice of the only begotten, Moses 5, 4-8, the Lord had symbolically clothed them in his atonement. The account of Adam and Eve's being clothed in animal skins, Genesis 3:21 finds a later echo in the Jacob-Esau narrative. Rebekah helped her son Jacob put on Esau in order to receive his father's blessing and become what the firstborn had the potential to become. And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Watalbesh, Jacob, her younger son. And she put Hilbishah, the skins, Orot, of the kids of the goats upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck. Genesis 27.15-16 Adam and Eve's garments, or tunics, of skin, and Jacob's use of Esau's clothing and skins, of goat kid, are reminiscent of priestly temple vestments that are themselves emblematic of what we are becoming, but are not yet. Just as the Lord clothed Adam and Eve in, put on, Christ and his atonement, Rebekah put on, Jacob, the status of her firstborn. So too we put on sacred clothing in the sacred precincts of the temple, in anticipation of a time when, like Enos, our mortal will put on immortality. The celestial resurrection body, in the likeness of Christ's body, if we have been true and faithful, we will put on divinity. I shall see his face with pleasure. Final Atonement Enos's final words anticipate his final at one with the Lord. Notably, however, they contain clear echoes of Genesis 33.10, which describe Jacob's emotions upon his final reconciliation with his brother Esau.
Genesis 33.10 And Jacob said, Nay, I pray thee, if now I have found grace in thy sight, then receive my present at my hand. For therefore I have seen thy face, as though I had seen the face of God, and thou wast pleased with me. Enos 1.27 And I shall stand before him, then shall I see his face with pleasure, and he will say unto me, Come unto me, ye blessed. There is a place prepared for you in the mansions of my father. Amen. Jacob had obtained Esau's privilege of being blessed before the Lord. Bring me venison, and make me savory meat that I may eat, and bless thee before the Lord. Wa'a lifne Adonai, before my death. Genesis 27.7 Literally, blessed to the Lord's face. Jacob's wresting the blessing away from Esau, supplanting him, and Isaac's blessing Jacob before the Lord, anticipated his wrestling the divine man at Peniel, Penuel, face of God, in which he saw God face to face, Raiti Elohim Panim El Panim, had his life, soul, nafshi, preserved, Genesis 32.30, and was blessed by the divine man there. Moreover, Jacob was subsequently reconciled to his brother Esau in a manner that recalls the events at Peniel, Penuel. I have seen thy face as though I had seen the face of God. Kirot Pene Elohim. Genesis 33.10 To which Jacob adds, Thou wast pleased with me. Watit seni. In Enos 1.27, Enos recalls all of the foregoing with his statements, I shall stand before him, i.e. to his face. Then shall I see his face with pleasure, playing again on Hebrew panim, face. And he will say unto me, Come unto me, ye blessed. He recalls his own earlier puns on the names Jacob and Peniel, the wrestle, ha'avik, which I had, possibly which I wrestled, before God, lifne Adonai, literally, to the face of God. As well as his earlier corresponding wordplay on Esau, Peniel, and the blessing, I kneeled down before my Maker. With these final allusions to Jacob, Esau, Peniel, and blessings, Enos' testimony was that he had become everything that his ancestor Jacob's blessing represented in spiritual terms. He had become what his own father Jacob had become, and had hoped Enos himself would become, atoned to and identified with his Maker, and one of those who would be eternally blessed in his presence, to his face. Conclusion Enos's writings begin with him as an Esau-like man, wrestling a Jacob-like wrestle before God, Enos 1, 1-4. Enos initially describes himself in terms reminiscent of Esau, e.g. as one who hunted and hungered. They conclude with his having been wrought upon by the power of God, i.e. having been sanctified by Christ's atonement, which motivated him to testify of that atonement throughout his life, Enos 1, 26. Enos further anticipates his putting on immortality, i.e. the divine nature, and becoming like God, this in preparation for seeing his face with pleasure, Genesis 1.27. The Genesis 27 narrative which describes Jacob attaining the blessing intended for Esau by their father Isaac creates a strong paranomastic link between the name Esau and the Hebrew verb Asah. Accordingly, Enos uses Asah terminology, maker, how is it done, it shall be done unto them, wrought upon, in describing his obtaining of a divine blessing, his Jacob-like transformation through the atonement, and the Lord's keeping his covenant with Enos and his fathers. 
Enos's skillful adaptation and reworking of numerous details from the Jacob Esau cycle to tell the story of his own divine wrestle, experiences with Christ's atonement, subsequent spiritual struggles, and final sanctification through the Christ's atonement, makes his autobiography a short masterpiece. They further reveal Enos to have been a diligent reader of the scriptures and a faithful man who became a prophet of God worthy of the legacy of his father Jacob and his patriarchal ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Matthew L. Bowen was raised in Orem, Utah, and graduated from Brigham Young University. He holds a Ph.D. in Biblical Studies from the Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C., and is currently an assistant professor in religious education at Brigham Young University, Hawaii. He and his wife, the former Suzanne Blattberg, are the parents of three children, Zachariah, Nathan, and Adele. This has been a recording of I Kneel Down Before My Maker, Allusions to Esau in the Book of Enos, by Matthew L. Bowen, originally published in Interpreter, a Journal of Mormon Scripture, Volume 27, 2017, read by Victor Wirth. This audio recording is copyrighted under a Creative Commons license and may be freely distributed if it remains unchanged. The journal and its website are credited and is for non-commercial use. A printed version of this and many other articles and resources on Mormon Scripture can be found at mormoninterpreter.com.